Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson, and I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Not much, man. Good to be here. Together on this show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. Toby, what are we listening to today? This is a track called Are You That Somebody from the artist known as Alea. This track was produced by Timbaland and was featured on the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack in 1998. Now, Dr. Doolittle was a fictional character known for the ability to speak to animals. And this track was most definitely speaking to the masses. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this song was ranked 24th of the 50 best songs of the 90s by Rolling Stone. Spin Magazine listed it as number 18 of the top 20 singles of the 90s, and it earned Aaliyah a Grammy nomination. Let's hop in the DeLorean and find out what track was sampled to produce this hit. Rewind! Tell the good listeners what we are listening to. We are listening to a 1974 track called People Say by The Meters. The Meters were a New Orleans band considered to be one of the originators of the funk sound. The group consisted of Art Neville on the keyboards, Zigaboo Modalise on drums, George Porter Jr. on bass, and Leo Nocentelli on guitar. As Porter has stated, they didn't create the New Orleans funk sound, but they definitely made it popular. He says, and I quote, I think we brought it to the rest of the country and the rest of the world. There would always be some guys that got together on the weekend and jam. There'd be some serious funk going on. We just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Because we were the only organized group that played it all the time. Well, that and they all just happened to be fabulously talented players. Seriously. You, I mean, look at that list. That's, that's you know, a disgustingly talented list. Yeah. Their first hit was the 1969 funk instrumental, Sissy Strut. It reached number four on the R&B charts and 23 on the Billboard 100. Let's take a listen to that. (laughs) 
So you can definitely hear why Zigaboo's drum work has been sampled by hundreds of hip-hop artists. It's almost like the drums lead this song as the main focal point. Definitely innovator and a heavy influence on future generations of drummers. And I love this quote on his approach to the instrument. Your biggest teachers were those two things you got on the side of your head. It's got nothing to do with rudiments. Nothing to do with the time signatures, but it's got a lot to do with what you hear. He certainly paid homage to greats like Smokey Johnson that he learned from. And here's another great quote. Whatever your definition of Zigaboo is, it's just a collage of all the drummers that I heard play in my lifetime from New Orleans. Now, speaking of New Orleans, let's talk a little bit about the New Orleans sound, or what is sometimes referred to as a second line sound. What does that refer to exactly, Joe? So Mardi Gras Indian chief Jake Millen describes it as the characteristic rhythm that underlies the music of black New Orleans. His quote, some people call it funk, but to us, it's strictly second line. You can't talk about New Orleans without talking about Mardi Gras. And you can't have Mardi Gras without a parade. So if we're talking about brass band parades in New Orleans, the first line is the main section of the parade, which includes the band. The second line contains those who are following the parade and dancing along to the music. They're the ones having all the fun. Uh, seriously, yeah. seriously. So in that second line, a snare drummer often follows along with the brass band, playing polyrhythms either off the main beat or improvising along with the band. This rich tradition has a prominent place in our musical and cultural landscape. Second line is also has a profound influence on the godfather himself, James Brown. He worked with two drummers in the early 60s, Charles Connor and Clayton Filiao. That inspired him to dive headfirst into the densely interwoven rhythms of second line and apply them all to the instruments in a band. Yeah, and because all of those beats, all those offbeats and syncopated rhythms, they kind of turn into a runaway train if you don't corral them somehow. So... It's important that we land somewhere, um, and that's where the concept of the one comes from, which we talked about in an earlier episode. Remember, Bootsy had yeah, the whole explanation absolutely. of that? Yeah, on the so, one. So as long as you land on and accent that first beat of every measure, you can have all the fun that you want in the spaces in between. I've also heard of the second line of rhythms referred to as in between the cracks, which sounds to me like the final resting spot for all the coins that fall out of my pocket while I'm chilling on the couch. Yeah. No, I have that problem, too. You have and that's, problem? that's actually not a bad analogy. <laughs> So think of this as sort of a strange musical vortex. Much like your disappearing sofa change, it can sometimes be hard to chart where certain rhythms fall in second line music. So, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat on my chest a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to go great ape on you. Okay. Um, and I'm going to see if I can demonstrate this. Right? So, so if, we, if, we, if we think, of, you know, straight four time, we've got four beats in a measure, right? Uh-huh. So we'll just go, you know, one, two, two three, three, four. four. And if we right. subdivide that, then we go into ace and we go one and two and three and four. And, and we'll subdivide it one more time, we have 16. So it would be one and a two and a three and a four and a. Right. But what happens if you want to put something that's not on the one or the two or the four? Uh, then we would have triplets. Right. So we'll have the same thing. We'll count those as, as, as triplet. So we would go one triplet, two triplet, three triplet, four triplet. So we think we've got everything covered here. Right. But we don't. But we don't. Because sometimes you can have beats and you can have things that slide in and out of those spaces. And um, yeah. And so that's between the cracks. You know, and it's, it's no wonder that New Orleans is the place for this because jazz does the same thing. Right. Jazz has been described as one of those genres of music very hard to chart as well. It seems to me like the best way to understand this is to hear it. Zigaboo and the meters are masters of second line rhythms. Let's listen to Hey Pocky Way off the same 1974 Rejuvenation album.
in a bad mood listening to this. You can't. You it, simply cannot. It's impossible, right? Uh, so, you know, listening to that pattern, it kind of, it's somewhere between a triplet shuffle and sort of a straight quadruple meter. It's, it's between the cracks. Uh, so you kind of have to hear it in order to feel it and understand it, but it's just got this like great slippery little groove. I also love the slippery way that Timberland slices up People Say for Are You That Somebody. Let's take a listen again to the intro of People Say and then pay attention to how Timberland gives it his own second line-ish spin for Are You That Somebody. So here we go, the meters. And I smashed Timberland right up against it. Kind of fun, isn't it? Man. Just just all crazy rhythms all over the place. Seriously. So this track is just one example of how the meters has always gotten respect and love from other artists. In fact, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones was such a big fan that in 75, the meters opened for the Stones on their U.S. and Canadian tours and also for their European tour the following spring. That love and respect for the meters music is reflected in how many times they've been sampled in hip-hop by artists like Heavy D, LL Cool J, Queen Latifah, Music Soul Child, Big Daddy Kane, Run DMC, NWA, Ice Cube, Scarface, Cypress Hill, EPMD, Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest, Beastie Boys, Naughty by Nature. Wow, just yeah, keep I, going. The list is literally endless. Okay, right? well, I'm going to stop you there because we got to do the rest of the show. Appreciate it. I, I needed a breath anyway, so this is fine. <laughs> you were doing well, though. I was impressed. <laughs> Thanks, man. Breath control. <laughs> Let's dive a little bit deeper into our next feature track, Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah. Let's make it sweet now, though. Here it comes. start at the beginning and discuss how Aaliyah became a star. She was born in Brooklyn, but moved to Detroit with her family by the age of five. She was enrolled in voice lessons at an early age, and since her mother was a vocalist and her uncle was an entertainment lawyer, one could have predicted that Aaliyah would have a future in music. This wasn't just any uncle. Her uncle was Barry Hankerson, who managed a gospel group sensation known as The Winans, as well as a singer named Tony Braxton. I've heard, yeah, I've heard of these yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And singer R. Kelly. Aaliyah was introduced to R. Kelly, who then became her mentor, as well as lead songwriter and producer on her debut album entitled AJ Nothing But a Number. So, as far as the music goes, the pairing of R. Kelly and Aaliyah was very successful. 70,000 copies sold in the first week successful. That, that's, that's a lot. Double platinum successful. Man. All at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. But as far as the personal side of things, things get weird and not in a good way. Uh, obviously, R. Kelly and Aaliyah spent a lot of time together and a strong bond was formed. But 
rumors started to surface that their relationship was more than platonic. Yeah, there was evidence that both Aaliyah and R. Kelly were married and that Aaliyah lied about her age and stated that she was 18 instead of 15 on the marriage certificate. The marriage was annulled, and along with the marriage, so was the contact and contract with R. Kelly. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. No, not at all. So all this happens. Where does that leave Aaliyah? Well, it leaves her without a producer. Enter Timbaland. Timbaland met Aaliyah and started work producing her second album, One in a Million. Timbaland was a bit nervous at first working with Aaliyah. Yeah, I, I kind of get that since he was just starting out and Aaliyah was already a successful act. But as time would show, there was no need for him to be worried. Agreed. Let's listen to one of Timbaland's produced singles from Aaliyah's second album. This track is called If Your Girl Only Knew and was written by Missy Elliott. Give up. That's what she would do. <laughs> I tell you, if she knew, she was okay. She would give up. I'm out. She'd throw the white flag. That's what she'd do. It's Aaliyah. It'd be like that scene from Rocky. You've seen how strong he is. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> so, Aaliyah's One in a Million album was released in 1996, peaked at number 18 on the Billboard 200 charts, selling 3 million copies in the U.S., and eight million worldwide. In the midst of all of that, she still found time to become a Tommy Hilfiger spokeswoman and graduate from high school. She was featured on the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack with our featured song, Are You That Somebody? This track was produced by Timbaland and was written by a cat named Static Major, one of the members of R&B group called Playa. But what's crazy to me is the time frame in which this song was written and recorded. Joe, can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's really crazy. There's some conflicting stories. But basically, the story goes, they get a call from Aaliyah's Uncle Barry, right? He tells Timberland, hey, I've got a deal. It's done. Contracts are signed. We need to give a song for the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. Pays pretty good, like $400,000 good. So, wow. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to start writing. Um, but there's a caveat. They have to have the song written, recorded, and mastered by 9 a.m. that morning. And since it was already past midnight, that left them kind of a tight window. Mm, mm, mm. So Cinderella was back home when they had to get started. So. Yeah, well, no, they brought Cinderella back into the studio <laughs> and said, hey, we're singing all night. <laughs> well, in that short time span, they made magic. Timbaland created the beat, Static Major made the hook, and Aaliyah lent her sultry soprano, and the rest, as they say, is history. All right, so speaking of history, Tob, are you familiar with the Wilhelm scream? Uh, that's uh, the stock sound effect that's been used in over 300 films, including all the Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and a lot of Disney flicks. You are correct, sir. So apparently it was originally labeled on the, you know, in the stock footage as man getting eaten by alligator. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm curious, Joe, why do you bring up Wilhelm Scream? Ah, because we have our own version of that with this little baby coo in Are You That Somebody? This sweet little baby has been heard in many songs over the years. Let's take a listen to the end of a 1969 Rascals song called Look Around. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> ah, and it also closes out Prince's 1982 track, Delirious. Let's check that out. Right? So now let's fast forward a couple of decades, and T-Night used it for their 2012 track, Buggin'. This one's got a little different vibe. 
It's like creepy baby. <laughs> Chucky baby. It's coming to get you told. <laughs> A baby and 808s don't necessarily <laughs> they mix. Don't, they, they don't mix. They don't always go well together. <laughs> uh-uh. Of course, this baby makes a recurring appearance on Are You That Somebody? Let's check that out one more time. <laughs> right? It just makes you smile. So can you imagine the royalties that this little bundle of joy must be raking in right now. Uh, well, if only we knew who it was. It turns out that no one can identify the baby in question. What? Not even the guy who made the original recording. Back to Aaliyah, who was really coming into her own. She began to pursue her interest in acting and was cast in two films. Romeo Must Die was the first and co-starred martial arts star Jet Li. As if that wasn't enough, Aaliyah also served as the executive producer on the soundtrack, which featured four of her songs. One of those songs was the Timbaland-produced track called Try Again. Let's take a listen to that. You don't want to throw it all away. Bugging on the first day. What about the next day? Did you, did you watch this movie? No, I haven't seen it, actually. Oh, yeah. Worth watching still? It's Aaliyah. Right. It's Aaliyah. So, yes. <laughs> okay. So, we just listened to Try Again from Aaliyah. Uh, Static Major wrote that song, and it's it's kind of a beautiful thing when a producer, an artist, and a writer all sync up and settle into this nice little groove. That, Aaliyah, Timberland, and Static Major combination worked on several songs, including We Need a Resolution and More Than a Woman. Let's take a listen. First, we'll, uh, we'll check out We Need a Resolution. Who should be heard? Who should be shared? Am I supposed to change? Are you supposed to change? Who should be heard? Will we remain? Sounds like the tape's being rewound. It's so cool. Yeah. Okay, well, here's my favorite Aaliyah track. It's called More Than a Woman. Let's take a listen to that. Have you seen the video? I did, yeah. Oh, the video, that that dance routine on this video is stupid. Love it. So, sadly, of course, we lost Aaliyah on August 25th of 2001. On her way back to the States from filming in the Bahamas, Aaliyah died in a plane crash. So we can all agree that she died way too young. I'm just glad that we are forever blessed with music that she did give us while she was with us. Agreed. Timlin was pretty emotional about the loss of Aaliyah and said as much in a quote, She was like blood, and I lost blood. Me and her together had this chemistry. I kind of lost half of my creativity to her. It's hard for me to talk to the fans now. Beyond the music, she was a brilliant person, the most special person I ever met. So Timberland did find a way to move past this tragedy and forge a very successful career. The list of artists that he's worked with includes Jay-Z, Beyonce, Brandy, Chris Cornell, Madonna, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Bjork, Nelly Furtado... Genuine, and of course, JT, Justin Timberlake. I mean, it's, a again, a long list. I mean, let's discuss Timlin and, and how he became the much sought-after producer he is today. All right, let's do it. So Tim Mosley was born in Norfolk, Virginia. 
Tim was in high school with uh, a lot of friends that actually ended up being very, very talented people, including a production group called SBI, stands for Surrounded by Idiots, which included Neptune's producer, Pharrell. Uh, Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly, right? Wish I was at his high school. Right. Even at this age. I'd go back to high school and just hang (laughs) with Pharrell. Exactly. Uh, He was also friends with twins Terrence and Gene Thornton, a.k.a. Pusha T and Malice of the hip-hop group known as Clips and superstar rapper and songwriter Missy Elliott. Wow. Uh, Jeez, with talent like that around you, it's no wonder he had the success he's had. Seriously, I I could just see Oprah, like, being in their production meetings, and (laughs) you get a hit, and you get a hit, and yeah. Exactly, exactly. So Missy Elliott was a part of a group called Sister, and Timbaland produced some music for their demo tapes, and the tapes caught the attention of producer Devante Swing from Jodeci. Now, I remember that Devontae was a pretty big deal back in the 90s, due largely to the success of Jodeci. Jodeci was a well-known male R&B group from the 90s that could be described as the amalgamation of gospel soul and hip-hop. They sold over 20 million records with tracks like Fiendin'. Let's take a listen to that. Cause I'm an addict of you, and you know. Just wave your hands in the air. Wait, well, hold on. Let me guess. This is one of the tracks on your slow jam tape back oh, in the day, right? you know me yeah. so well. Interesting factoid about Jodeci. Their second album, entitled Diary of a Mad Band, almost got no pub when it was released due to a disagreement with their label, Uptown. Regardless, it didn't stop the album from going double platinum. As the story goes, Missy introduced the man behind Jodeci Sound, Devontae Swing, to Tim, and is actually credited for giving him the name Timbaland after the well-known brand of construction boot. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably for the best since his previous nickname was... Timmy Tim. Timmy Tim. That's that's terrible. Yeah, it's not the best. Timlin started working with R&B groups initially, but really got his big break with working on Genuine's hit single called Pony. Oh, I like Let's take song. a listen to that. Uh, this song goes hard in the paint. Yeah, it does. Songs like Twister. Boy, I tell you, you put your hand <laughs> on that red and that yellow dot, you go for it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so we could easily do a whole new episode on Timberland, his music and his producing. In fact, we should probably do that someday. Absolutely. In the meantime, let's take a closer look at another mega producer related to our first featured artist, the Meters. All right. So Alan Toussaint is a legendary composer, musician, producer that not only worked with the Meters. But with artists ranging from Lee Dorsey to Dr. John to Robert Palmer, Toussaint was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998, the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame in 2009, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and the Blues Hall of Fame in 2011. And in 2013, he was awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Barack Obama. Toussaint was a session piano player for artists like Fats Domino before releasing his first album on RCA Records in 1958, The Wild Sound of New Orleans, going by the name of Al Toussaint at the time. The album was comprised of instrumentals, mostly written in the studio, primarily by Toussaint. One of the tracks was called Java, and you can hear the New Orleans flavor already.
in New Orleans. So as was the case with a lot of Toussaint's work, this composition was later made a hit by another artist. In 1963, a trumpet player named Al Hurt took Java to number four on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the adult contemporary charts. It won the Grammy for Best Performance by an orchestra or instrumentalist with orchestra in 1964. Let's give that one a listen. Pretty cool. I like that. After a stint in the Army from 63 to 65, Toussaint returned home to New Orleans, formed a production company, and began working with singer Lee Dorsey. They had a couple of R&B hits and then hit the top 10 on the pop charts with Working in a Coal Mine. Let's take a listen to that. I'm already up and gone. Lord, I'm so tired. How long can this go on? A little pick sound going. I think they were banging on microphone stands or something. So, interestingly enough, Toussaint said that he and Dorsey didn't know anything about a coal mine. Uh, Dorsey was actually an auto body guy, and when his career went on a decline in the early 70s, he just went back to his auto repair business. The life of a musician. Always hustling, even after you've had some hits. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he did make a comeback, however. Even opened for, get this, The Clash on wow. their 1980 U.S. tour. I know, I, it seems like like a really odd pairing, but hey, man, you got you to gotta think outside the box if you're trying to rock the Casbah, right? I know what I'm thinking, right? Should I stay or should uh, I go? I mean, that, that's... I mean, that's, yeah, the that's whole tour, I, that's what he was thinking. He'd open up and he'd be like, oh, man, should I be here? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The Tucson legacy certainly lives on in hip-hop as well. Tucson wrote and Dorsey sang the 1966 track Get Out of My Life Woman. See if you recognize the intro beat. Let's check it out. I know you know that beat, don't you? Yes, sir. Life, woman. You don't love me no more. Get out of my life, woman. Well, that you beat has been used hundreds no of times, including Cypress Hill on Hits from the Bong and Beck on Where It's At. But perhaps there's no sample better than this one. Let's check this out. Cause when I ask, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come, Come on. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. And you say he's just a friend. Listen to this song every day. <laughs> well, especially when at, the, at that age, I was yeah, I was really thinking like that. That's that's me right so, <laughs> in so, the friend zone. So that, of course, is Biz Marquis in his 1989 hit "Just a Friend." Kind of seems appropriate that he would sample "Get Out of My Life, Woman" 
for a song that, you know, <laughs> seems like a logical response once he gets wise to his girl's shenanigans and just a friend. Even after they began releasing their own albums in 69, the Meters continued to work with Tucson as session players on numerous albums. Yeah, one of the biggest hits they performed on was the Mac Revenac penned Right Place, Wrong Time. And that's a cat you may recognize by his other name, Dr. John. Toussaint produced his 1973 album In the Right Place, and the song Right Place, Wrong Time charted in the top 10 that summer. It's also one of my favorite tracks. Let's give it a listen. Let's do it. I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I done said the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. I've been on the right trip, but it must have used the wrong car. Hit us in a bad place. Funky too. Funky. May also be the story of my life. <laughs> you ain't alone, bro. You ain't alone. <laughs> Got a cool voice too. Yeah, he does. So a guy that was in the right place at the right time was Robert Palmer. Long before he was addicted to love and simply irresistible, he worked with Alan Toussaint on Palmer's 1974 debut album, Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. This title track written by Toussaint and originally recorded by Lee Dorsey in 1970. Yeah, th- I love this album, by the way. Uh, it's steeped in New Orleans funk. Once again, the meters lay down the groove, but they, they aren't the only legends to play on this album. Steve Winwood, Bernard Purdy, Lowell George actually wow. play slide on this track. Um, also lend their prodigious talents to the record. So let's listen to Robert Palmer and Sneakin' Sally Through the Alley. Let's do it. Album cover for this? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, listeners, check that out. Sneaking Sally, check that out. The album cover is crazy. Of course, Robert Palmer went on to have a hugely successful solo career that included two Grammys and that iconic music video for Addicted to Love, not to mention his work with Power Station. Well, some like it hot, my friend. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Um, Joe, do you actually know? What that means? Well, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, my mom told me it means, would you like to dance with me? So, No problem. Glad we got that all cleared up. And you aren't the only one that wasn't really clear on the meaning of that phrase. Let's take a listen to one more Alan Toussaint produced track. This one from LaBelle and their 1974 number one hit, Lady Marmalade. So, Lady Marmalade was written by Bob Crew and Kenny Nolan, and 
who actually, by the way, both wrote for the Four Seasons, which is kind of cool. And the LaBelle track was produced by Alan Toussaint with Vicki Wickham. And of course, the meters provide the instrumental foundation. Well, this song is about the seedier side of New Orleans and a certain lady of the evening propositioning a guy named Joe. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> What's funny is that Patti LaBelle... The lead vocalist on the track had no idea what she was singing about, saying, I didn't know what it was about. I don't know French and nobody. I swear that that is the God's truth. Nobody at all told me what I just sung a song about. <laughs> no, that's now, funny. That, you know what? Now, the funny thing is I completely believe her. Yeah. Because she has, she has gospel albums. <laughs> right. Well, so she said her, when this came out, she said she remembers walking into church and just feeling like every eye in the church is <laughs> swung around. And yeah, everyone was cool. Though. Oh, that's <laughs> So in, uh, in 2001, Christina Aguilera, Maya Pink, and Lil' Kim made sure that everyone knew what this song was about. <laughs> they sure did. When they recorded it for the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. Yeah, if there's any doubt, you only need to watch the video. I still got this video recorded. Sure do. <laughs> Their cover was also number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for five weeks and also a number one hit in the UK. So there's so much rich history with the New Orleans sound. So for our bonus material today, let's take a listen to some of the bands that are keeping that sound alive in a big way. I feel like we can't go much further without talking about the Neville Brothers. Not many acts have brought Louisiana to the world like these guys. Yeah, you are absolutely right about that. We've already talked about Art Neville, one of the founding members of the Meters and the eldest of the Neville brothers. The others are Charles, Aaron, and Cyril. And in 1989, they won the Best Pop Instrumental Grammy for their song Healing Chant off their Yellow Moon album. They've been staples in the music industry for decades, and we'd be remiss if we didn't take a minute to listen to Aaron's silky tenor, truly a voice that's one of a kind. Let's listen to his 1991 cover of the main ingredient song, Everybody Plays the Fool. this voice, I'd be in the studio all the time. Beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. So when we're talking about the Neville brothers, we have to talk about the youngest brother, Cyril, who uh, went on tour with Galactic in 2010, who's another phenomenal funk band out of New Orleans. Let's listen to a live version of their song, You Don't Know. musicians in New Orleans scene are either actually related to or simply treated as family. They are always playing together and keeping the music connections tight. And the horns. My goodness, so much talent. Whether you're talking about the Dirty Dozens Brass Band, the Soul Rebels Brass Band, Trombone Shorty, the list goes on. It sure does. And they blend a ton of musical styles. Let's listen to another galactic track called From the Corner to the Block that features the Soul Rebels and Corey Henry.
I ain't believe in Santa, I hustling from my grandma last scene In a circle when the lights went out Should I believe I made a cover to hundred thousand doing the drought Tyler Donna and Rob when I was out in the bout Behind the second line, cool the 22s of the six Check it out like this, hey From the corner to the block All right, well, let's do one more cool connection. Funk is apparently in the bloodlines. Aaron Neville's son, Ivan, and Art Neville's son, Ian, formed a band called Dumpster Funk. Okay, there you go, Dumpster Funk, that the New York Times once called the best funk band in New Orleans. Let's take a listen to a track called I Wish You Would off the Dirty Word album. It's like equal amounts, New Orleans and Parliament. You can feel it. It's Bootsy, baby. (laughs) Man. Well, unfortunately, Joe, that's all the time we have for today. Too bad. We were just getting warmed up. I know. We covered a lot. But thanks for joining us. We've talked about our first feature track, People Say From The Meters, and the song that sampled it, Are You That Somebody From Aaliyah. We also talked about mega producers Alan, Toussaint, and Timbaland. Definitely a jam-packed episode. So what do we have going on for the next one? We're going to take a completely different spin on Mardi Gras. One that will set adrift on memory bliss. I know this much is true. It's going to be a great episode. Well, I am looking forward to it. In the meantime, let's take you out with a track from the singer Banks, who's going to have a new album out in 2019 that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Her voice is sometimes compared to Aaliyah, but I think it's a different vibe. Regardless, she did a cool cover of Are You That Somebody, I think on the BBC see somewhere in 2014 so we'll head out with that and as always thanks for joining us boy i've been watching you like a hawk in the sky Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer Julie Fink. Audio engineers Eric Coltnow and Dave Shaw. And audio director Michael Seifert. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. Sometimes I'm a goody, goody. Right now I'm a Somebody Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?
This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.